0: Field and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno.
1: All right, here we go. Four o'clock hour. Reno's in. Vegas, of course, is here. ESPN Las Vegas, ESPN Reno. Everyone's in town, all the uh, important people from the NFL, the XFL. We just got done talking to uh, Mark Ross, who's one of the bosses with the XFL, about our Vipers. Uh, Stanford Rout is going to join us in just a little bit. We'll get to uh, the Big Four here in a second. Oh. So fired up about that. We're going to spend about 40 minutes with him. But, Danny, it's time for the Big Four. Let's do it.
0: Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at Four. Number four.
1: We are live at uh, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. 55-plus TVs right on the Las Vegas Strip. Free parking out back. Von is here, and Angel's helping us out. Boy, the little things in life, these are first world problems. But I've witnessed, I've witnessed, but I've heard about two company members just going ballistic, getting very upset, mentally rocked.
2: Yeah. I'll
1: tell you about Willie yesterday, Willie Ramirez was in. Boy, that was dicey. But then you sent me a message about something blowing up on you this morning and you were beside
2: yourself. Oh, like literally blowing up. So my wife for what's the most recent holiday? Christmas. Uh, got me a uh, got me an espresso machine, okay. And oh as a boy. former barista, right? I, you know? I forgot you like, were you, know? a, you are a pro, right? So I like to you it know mess around something. with these things. It means something. Um, so today, for the first time, I busted it out. You know, we, it's been sitting in the box; haven't really used it yet. I hadn't used it. No. Yet. So it's like, hey, you know what? Let's do something nice for the wife. She's you know she does Ooh. does her workout classes. Like, let me make her a coffee and like some breakfast, right, when she comes back. So. I do everything. I follow the instructions. It's not very clear, but I kind of figure out what's going on with the way the espresso thing works. The trick is is it's got, like, the thing that you put the espresso in, right? And you're supposed to lock it when you put it in. But it wouldn't go all the way. know. Oh, so my thought is, is I'm like, okay, well, it's, it's literally, like, just hard. Like, it will not move. Maybe this is where it's supposed to lock into. So let's just start the process here. So I start the process, right? Hot water's boiling. You hear it all moving. Keep in mind, my four-year-old son is on a, stu- on a stool oh, standing no. right next to me, right? So we're all just like – Near scalding we're like, water. Yeah, we're just standing. We're like, cool. Like, this is great. Like, as the water starts coming out, I'm like, cool. Espresso's coming out. This is where – boom! It explodes. The thing flies off. It hits me. Coffee grounds go everywhere. Hot water spraying all over the place. My kid jumps off the stool and is running away, screaming, right? It was a mess. You see this tiny little red dot? I got burned. I got burned. Tiny
0: little red yeah, dot.
2: On my hand. Um, it was a nightmare. It, and I got to tell you, it, it really didn't. Like, the burning water wasn't that big of a problem. Actually, it wasn't hot. The cleanup of the coffee grounds took me, like, 40 minutes. And it was everywhere. And I don't think I've been that more. Like, I don't think I've been angrier than in that moment while I was cleaning up the mess.
1: Did you do research on what you screwed up?
2: Um no, yes, I did, and I and because Isabel had come home at the time I was done, because she was like, and I she immediately sees me starting doing it again. And she's like, "You're doing it again." I'm like, "Yes, I'm figuring this out," and I did it.
1: Wait, it's not broken. So no, it's not like broken. It didn't explode to the point where. you no, can't No, a use couple
2: it. Of, like plastic pieces broke off, like you know, but it's fixed. I figured it out. The barista in me figured it out. So I made a nice vanilla latte for my wife. Eventually,
1: so happy ending of the story.
2: Yes. Outside of the rage that I was like really trying to keep down, because you know, I don't want my four year old son to watch me break the espresso machine even further.
1: Well, you know me when I get frustrated, if something breaks, I won't even try to fix it. I would just throw it out, I'd be done. You gotta I'm keep totally it.
2: I'm not like a handyman, but yeah. like I know enough that I can put things back together and figure it out.
1: Um, I bought one of those uh, umbrellas, like a backyard umbrella, and now I'm, I'm forgetting the word the one that kind of leans over right okay you ever see those yeah the base is here yeah so bought it like three years ago for like maybe 400 bucks set it up within two hours actually i I closed it down but a wind caught it blew it open crumpled it done i got like one day out of it
2: you never tried to fix it it was just oh no
1: i i actually i brought someone over who i i believed could fix it and they're like nope this is completely destroyed really oh yeah 400 and, bucks. And now the SO is like, forever since. She's like, we should buy another one of those. I'm like, nope, Vegas is too windy. I mean, is it too windy? They're all over town. People have them. But I'm, I'm like, I you can't feel like it You feel like you got to weight it down more. It's not it's not the weight part, because it was weighed down. It didn't blow over. Wind got underneath the umbrella. And oh, then, so it was like, like in the cartoons, where like right, the, the umbrella like right. blows straight Except out. there wasn't a small yeah. you know, rain shower umbrella. This <laughs> was freaking a pricey umbrella. Uh, Willie's meltdown yesterday, another first world problem. Uh, you know at times... Uh, well, I have the inside dope over at uh, the Connections at uh, yeah, you will not share. At, at Silver Sevens. No, I told you, we, we have a little trouble with the Wi-Fi there. I told you, they hardwired it, basically. It's not really what they did, but it's I have a direct connection to something. And we opened the show yesterday, and I don't know if Danny noticed, but we're, we're like eight minutes in, and I'm like, all right, let's go to break. He he could not do the show because his Wi-Fi wouldn't work. We could not do the show. I'm like, Let, let's just go to break.
2: Willie being unfocused because of a minor problem that sounds so unlike him.
1: Number three. All right, Danny tweeted something yesterday. Big 4-4. Reno's on board. Vegas. He tweeted out something yesterday. It was a video from TikTok. And I don't know if you've seen these. There's a bevy of videos now where it's usually, I'll say it. It's usually a suburban white woman with a casserole dish. And she's just piling nonsense in there.
2: Or a toilet. Toilet. Oh, like you haven't seen people these? People cooking in toilets? Well, they'll make, they'll make like, like punch. Stalker? They'll make punch in toilets. Really? Yeah. It's ridiculous. So I don't
1: know why you told me that because I got to get rid of a toilet that's barely, by the way, broken. I can't fix it. I'm just I'm getting rid of it. Yeah. So maybe I'm going to start making a uh, toilet punch. But casserole dishes, and you just pile stuff in there. You watch this, and you were horrified earlier. The base is Big Macs. Yes. Then fries. Mm-hmm. Then I saw what looked like maple syrup being drizzled on it, mm-hmm. then a bag of, like, mixed, like, Mexican cheese. Oh,
2: you're forgetting one of the key ingredients. Pasta sauce.
1: You're right. There was, is that, how, is that yeah. how she said it? Some pasta sauce. Then I saw, yep. I saw the cheese. I saw uncooked bacon. Mm-hmm. Now, keep in mind, the Big Macs are done. The fries are done. Right. Then I think I saw what looked like um, slices of ham. Yep, or turkey. Right? And then she started opening chicken sandwiches. Mm -hmm. And was that the final layer?
2: No, because then there's more pasta sauce and then more cheese. But it's it's like that fake American cheese by the slice.
1: And you throw this in the oven as a casserole? Uh, (sighs) Did you see the final product?
2: I did. Can I just say? Did it look edible? No, it didn't. It didn't look edible at all. It looked burned, by the way. So I don't know what they were doing. It was a little little crunch on top. <laughs> it was like it was, but it was like burned, like to a crisp, like like black on the edges. It was burned. Yeah. I don't know what they did. I can tell you this. I hate these videos with a passion. It is such a waste of food. Yeah. Because that's all they do it for. They do it for the video. Oh, you don't think they actually eat it? No. What they do every time, because if you notice when you watch these videos, you never see them take a bite. They're always going to take the bite, and uh. then the video cuts. They never eat this because uh. you know they're not going to. Because in no world are Big Macs, French fries, maple syrup, tomato sauce, McChickens, and cheese an edible combination. You're not going to eat it. You're just doing it so we can do this, talk about it, and get views.
1: Danny, you'd eat this? No, he wouldn't. Yes, I would. I've actually eaten and made something worse than that. What was it? Uh, It's this thing called the fast food lasagna. And it's something that I first found out from a group of guys called Epic Mealtime. And it's basically 30 fast food burgers with fries, onion rings, all that stuff piled together with meat sauce and cheese on top. And then it's cooked. I have pictures. I'll send them to you guys. Please do. Yeah, there's no maple syrup in there, though. On a 1 to 10? Uh, I mean, it was – I ate it after I had some beverages, but uh, the next morning I tried to take a bite, and I could not eat it. Would I try the one we talked about? Yes. I would try it, but I agree with you. I think it's it's probably a giant waste of food. Um, right, by the way. Because when I, when I was thinking of it – because on one hand, it's, it is actually very expensive to put it together. The casseroles are generally a cheap eats deal. And it might be for folks who like, don't have a lot of money, and most of the time you watch these videos, and it's in this like, you know, one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars kitchen, right? So I'm like, you're you're gonna take this and throw it in the garbage, aren't you? Of
2: course they are. Well, and that's one of the word. I love TikTok. Don't get me wrong. But like one of the worst things that's come from TikTok is just like the food videos like this where yeah. they just completely waste it. You'll also get the other videos where they'll just take like buckets of like syrup or ketchup or whatever it is and like dump it on something and like right. laugh and like it's
1: How about the table nachos? Travesty. How about the island nachos?
2: You ever see those? Those or it's yeah, it's a nightmare. It's an absolute nightmare. There was one where this lady was like, I've got seven boys. And so she dumped like a whole bunch of spaghetti in the middle of the table on top of foil with like some pasta sauce. And she was like, <laughs> Dig in! Like they were like pigs. And they were all just sitting around the table, like thanks, mom. Like that's how they always eat.
1: Number two. I feel bad. I brought you down a little bit. Uh, it looked like this week was a crowning achievement for you with uh, your podcast with the wet super book. Super book. Yep. What'd you do?
2: Uh, I I got so this is the second time I have I have uh, propositioned this proposition for many years. I got it up one time. It was it was our friend Tony Miller over the Golden Nugget who put it up uh, for the Eagles and Patriots Super Bowl, and I've been trying to get it put up every year. And the guys over at the Superbook did it for me. I got a prop added to their menu. For okay, the I want
1: this. this is, they put together a little video package here. Uh, John
2: Murray's doing it with you. He didn't seem super interested in the
1: conversation. Fire this.
2: Have you considered my prop that I pitched to you the other day? What was it? Uh, I pitched it to Jay. It was a Willie team convert a fourth down in their own territory. Okay, they put little
1: sunglasses on you. Yeah. We got the music. Uh, was John sleeping when you, you, you pitched to him? He's like, what was it?
2: This is the problem with social media. Afterwards, when I pitched it, he actually perked up. I was like, that's actually a really good prop. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it was. So give it again. Will a team, Well, they did it team by team. So, but will a team convert a fourth down in their own territory? pretty good one. Right. So, like, will the Eagles convert a third down or fourth down in their own territory? Will the Chiefs convert a fourth down in their own territory? And what are the numbers? Uh, you get yes plus, I think it's plus 450 oh, really? on the Chiefs. And yes, plus, like, 350 or 4-1 to one on the Eagles.
1: Well, they're going to get action, especially on the Chiefs.
2: Well, I mean, I'm going to swing by and bet both the yeses. It, and part of the reason why I'm so interested in that, too, is, you know, football's changing. Teams are going for it way more often in their own territory, especially when you get into the 40s, especially if it's, like, fourth and one, whatever it is. So that's, that was kind of my thought was how big are these yes prices going to be right. because this is happening way more often than you think. Now, Super Bowls, you play a little tight, a little more conservative, so maybe you're not going to get it. Like the year I got it, it did hit, but it wasn't until the final drive. Uh, I think it was the Patriots who were driving down to try to get something going, and they finally converted on fourth down in their own territory. But I'm going to bet yes on both of them.
1: Number one. So we were just discussing Derek Carr and his future with uh, Mark Ross. Worked in the NFL, now working in the XFL, worked for NFL Network. And we've gone round and round on this about the complications of Carr's contract, the sort of opt-in that's coming up right after the Super Bowl. Then the calendar for the year doesn't start until March, so there's this big gap. Uh, Ian Rappaport is introducing this whole thing to the rest of the country. Uh, Here he is talking about Derek Carr and the complications of moving him.
3: It does sound like there were some talks uh, among multiple teams in Mobile and, you know, Dave Ziegler, the general manager, could pick up the phone and call people or could just walk to various suites and have a conversation and it sounded like the latter is what ended up happening. There is interest. My understanding is there are at least a couple teams, potentially several teams, who are at least interested in Derek Carr. But it is complicated, Mike, because Derek Carr's contract becomes fully guaranteed the next two years, or this year and a little bit of next year, become fully guaranteed, more than 40 million million, three three days after the Super Bowl. So what that w- would mean, team trading for Derek Carr would have the fully guaranteed money in mid-February, but not be able to officially sign him uh, until march so basically the raiders would have to carry his fully guaranteed money until the official team takes over in march it's not impossible we've seen teams do this carson wentz i believe got traded in a similar situation
1: i still don't believe it's going to happen we'll go through this we got stanford route the former raider down with us here at ti golden circle sportsbook and bar big four at four is brought to you by battleborn injury lawyers and reno and in vegas and in henderson call from anywhere in the state of nevada
0: 766-1400 it's time for former oakland raider and nfl insider stanford Routes on cofield and company
1: it is that time of the friday stanford route is with us he's actually here he's here right. he's hanging out with uh jvt and cofield he's at Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar.
0: Thanks for coming down, man. Man, happy to do it, man. I love being around with you guys, man. I love being on with you. It was intimidating. Who? <laughs> oh, what? He shook my hand, and immediately I felt
2: like a lesser man. I was like, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. All NFL players have giant bits. They <laughs> the all do. The strength.
1: It. And the strength, Yeah, it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Next, ne- actually,
1: you know what? Next week, that is that is one of the things. It'll probably turn into a bit. Um, that is one of the things at the Super Bowl on Radio Row. I'm not shaking hands.
2: Oh, yeah. All
1: fist bumps. All fist bumps. Because the worst experience of anyone's life in the media is meeting Adrian Peterson. He's a great guy, but he shakes your hand. And you're oh, like, yes. Right?
0: Yes, Palestine, Texas. He's got that country type of strength. Yep. Uh, another person that I'll say of note was Richard Seymour.
1: Yeah.
0: Really? Like, Richard Seymour yeah. is like six four. Obviously, what two eighty something like that? Hall of Famer, we all know that, and he's like half ox, you know. <laughs> like so, like when he shakes your hand, like he's gonna rip off, you know, half of your labor. Yep. You know, have, have <laughs> your shoulder blade. Uh, and, and he grew up on a farm in South Carolina and all that. So, yeah, people that come from those rural areas, yep. especially in the south, like they have a different type of strength. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the, you don't get in the weight room. You don't get it from power cleans or bench press or anything like that. It just comes from, like, just throwing hay. <laughs> or, you know, like throwing logs, you know, on the farm and things like that. So, yeah, so uh, those two people definitely uh, very, very strong grips. There's a
1: different level of athleticism and build. I'm going to go in the way back machine. This is going to be back way back for you guys too. Uh, Willie and I yesterday were starting to get into the whole, the whole skills competition thing with the Pro Bowl games. And I was mentioning – the Superstars, which was a show in the 70s and 80s. And then they also have the Battle of the Network Stars. We'll get to that another time. But Superstars used to have, like, all these different athletes from different sports. And I'm watching the highlights because I forgot what it was like. I'm watching the highlights at the beginning, and they have, like, Willie Galt is here, and he's yeah. going to run. I'm like, who the hell is Willie Galt? I mean, you're, you're you know, a near-world-class level sprinter. And then, University then, of Tennessee. Then there's, like, holy crap, Herschel Walker was in it. Yep. Like, i sprinting against Herschel Walker. <laughs> <laughs>
0: this is crazy.
1: UGA.
2: My experience is pros versus Joes that they have on Spike TV. That was awesome.
1: Did the Joes ever win?
2: No, I don't think so.
1: (laughs) That was a great concept, though, because how many, you know, Twitter tough guys are at the time Twitter wasn't around, but how many people are like, oh, you know, I played in high school. and I. Oh, "Oh, man, you
0: you get so much of that. It's not even close. So much of that, yes.
1: All right, so we were just talking about Derek Carr, Mm -hmm. and we're talking about every week until we find out where he's going and what the Raiders get at quarterback. And we were talking about, again, the possibility of someone trading for him, but there's got to be this – Collaborative effort with the Raiders, the new team, and Carr, and then there's a like a month buffer where you can agree to a move, but it can't be done until officially, like what
0: March 15th, something in that area. How complicated does that make this whole thing? Uh, I think for me, obviously, there's the fine print, there's all of the 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 nooks and crannies of it, but I think when you really break it down, for uh, I think what 40 million or some. Round number like that, what Derek Carr is supposed to be uh, guaranteed this year if he winds up being on the Raiders' roster. Uh, I believe it's what, February 15th, yep. a couple days after the Super Bowl. So, for one, they got to find the trade partner. He has to okay the trade. And I think at this point, given how everything became so turbulent his last few weeks with the Las Vegas Raiders, I think he would welcome that, assuming that it's not going to a team that is a dumpster fire that is in the cellar of the NFL. So, That right there, to me, signifies that this should be relatively easy as far as finding a trade partner. He okays the trade, and then it's simply a handshake agreement that once the new league year starts in mid-March or, you know, whenever free agency opens up and all that, and the trade can be consummated, it can become official, well, then that team just picks up his salary for 2023. But once again, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not sitting over here, you know, looking at all the fine print, but it just seems that both parties would benefit from this right now. And I, for one, love how Derek Carr already said he's not going to extend the trigger date. Uh, he's not about to go and do the Raiders any favors. Like, Hey, listen, y'all wanted to bench me? That's fine. I get it. I understand. Now I can move on to greener pastors. Now, yeah, you got to go ahead and speed up your process as far as finding the trade partner, but – that's why they pay you guys to be in the front office. Right. They pay me to throw passes, not to sit over here and try to and try to help you out and try to figure out how to go ahead and get this thing done. So uh, I think that uh, both parties can benefit from it. And to me, it doesn't seem like it should be that difficult or that complex. That's interesting because I thought I was confused why he did it. I mean, I would
2: figure that wouldn't you want to extend the deadline to maximize the possibility of being traded and being
0: able to keep all that money? No, well, that's the thing because where it really becomes interesting is, for one, let's be honest, quarterbacks rarely ever get released. I mean, let's look at Joe Flacco. <laughs> he then got traded from where it was the uh, the Baltimore Ravens to who the Denver Broncos or wherever he got traded to after Lamar Jackson started becoming the starter. I yeah, forget. Denver, yeah. I mean, let's look at Matt Ryan. He gets traded to where? The Indianapolis Colts. Quarterbacks rarely get traded. Now, maybe the Raiders might go ahead and – I mean, they rarely get released. Now, they might go ahead and outright release him next week. Maybe they will. Who knows? I don't know that for a fact, but because – of that situation we know how quarterbacks are treated that's why Derek Carr is like no I'm not going to give you a pass I'm not going to go ahead and extend it that way you can go ahead and try to do all this no I'm gonna let you go ahead you're the one that want to put the date out there you now have you're now up under the gun you're the one that now has to rush to that because otherwise he's going to be on the roster on February 15th which means that now guarantees them that 40 million and we now see what Tom Brady having this retirement which a lot of people were assuming Tom Brady was now going to come to the Las Vegas Raiders. That throws a monkey wrench in what the Raiders might have been planning all along. So now they have to go and find a replacement or draft one of these, uh, these high value quarterbacks that are are going to be coming out in the draft.
1: So I'll ask both of you guys, if the guarantee, you know, gets him, it's a lot of money, (laughs) $42 million. I don't mean to make it sound like it's not that much money. I actually think on the open market, he, he might be able to get more, a little more guaranteed and then have a longer contract. Am I crazy on that that he could get like, you know, a four-year deal for say 100 and 160,
0: 160 160 with like 50 guaranteed. I don't really think that, that that that's out of the realm of possibility. I really don't just because we all know that there's about five great quarterbacks in this league. We got uh, we got Burrow, we got Mahomes, we got Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, you can still argue that. You could argue against it, what have you. And once you get past five, then everybody's, uh, yeah, he's good, but. And that's why, because you have 32 teams in this league and there's only five great ones, Derek Carr is not going to have a hard time finding a new home. Like, I think there's
1: going to be some teams out there that want a quarterback for three or four years, not just a two-year bridge. And one of them, because they're built for now. Yes. The TB twelve thing not only screws up the Raiders, it screws up the Buccaneers. I think they were ready for him. They they knew he might leave, mm-hmm. but don't the Bucks become a, a good sized candidate to bring in Derek Carr? exactly?
0: The, uh, you could see the Panthers. You could see. Well, he the, doesn't want to, but, but he doesn't
1: want to go to a rebuilding.
0: But I don't actually so Panthers are gonna be my pick. Really? I don't think the Panthers are a rebuilding team. You don't think they are? I, I mean, think they're a rebuilding. team. Are we being team. fooled yeah, by that division? Like, I mean, you saw how Steve Wilkes did with them after they after they fired Matt Rule. They did pretty good. Obviously they didn't they weren't world beaters, but they were showing some sort of promise. So I think there's a num- I think there's a myriad of teams that Derek Carr could go to. Obviously he doesn't want to go to a rebuild, but in this situation also, Derek Carr has to be mindful of you don't exactly get to call all of your shots. Right. You can go ahead and say, hey, I'm not going to extend the tr- uh, the, uh, the trigger date. Cool. But as far as you saying, okay, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. I'm not going there. I'm only going there. That <laughs> gets to the point to where, okay, you know what? now you might start being be a little careful. bit unrealistic yeah, the musical but chairs could close for you too exactly but i think as far as him finding a home i do not think that that's going to be hard for him at all and to the point of
2: carolina I, I think frank reich is like a decent coach you know i think one of the issues for him was he is kind of everybody's forgetting that he had a hand in bringing in some of these quarterbacks that failed for indianapolis but he's a relatively solid coach that defense yeah. i think is really good yes like they have a lot of talent on that defense and the skill positions are really solid at wide receiver. And you mentioned the if he doesn't go to the Buccaneers, the second best team or the best team in that division is what the Saints, right? Like that's a winnable division. Yeah. That if he Very goes to so. a 7-10 team, Very like they're right so. there near the top of it. Yes,
1: I would assume Derek Carr is also going to look at ownership. That that's really important. I'm not. I'm not saying he's gonna he's gonna bash Mark Davis. He's kind of made some comments that suggest. Uh, You know, because we've now heard Mark Davis wanted to get rid of Derek Carr this time around. He wanted to get rid of him the last time around with with Tom Brady. So, long point there. How important is ownership? Because I got a couple of situations. Your team, the Colts. You know, I saw Shane Steichen interviewing for the job. He's a former UNLV quarterback. The OC for the Eagles, man. I don't know that I'd want to go be one of the CEOs of the franchise, the coach or the quarterback for Ursay. And the other one I want to address, we'll get to the Colts here in a second. Other the Texans. You live in Houston. <laughs> hey, congrats to D'Amico Ryan. Yes, and uh-huh, congrats he, you know, to him, definitely. But, man, when I saw that, I was like, is that a good job with Cal McNair, with Casario there now? It's a weird place.
0: It is a weird place, and it seems like they are starting to change their tune. Emphasis on the word seems yep. like, it's, like they're starting to change their tune. And so I believe – when you really go down the list, and people talk about ownership, I think that's very intricate. I think it's also very obscure because I'll ask you guys this: Who would you say are the top three teams in the NFL that have the best ownership?
2: The Eagles would be up there, right? Because I mean, I just look at sustained success, and that's got to start from the top down. Eagles have to
0: be one of them. Okay, Kansas. I'll, th- City. I'll throw in the Chiefs. Yeah. The Chiefs. The Hunt family is pretty solid. I yep. mean, you're you're around. True. So, but here we go. Obviously, they have stability because they've had the same owner for a number of years. Mm-hmm. But do you think that that success is stability of just having the same owner or having a star quarterback?
1: Let's build on that. <laughs> you know, his, his Eagles point is great because they've had multiple changes and they continue to get you know near the mountaintop or mm-hmm. back to it. We're down here at Gold Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Stanford Rout is with us, the former Oakland Raider, former Chief as well. It's Nevada Sports Talk Hour in Reno, in Las Vegas. It's brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyer, 766-1400.
0: It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno.
1: Rolling towards the uh, middle of the program. Lots to get to. JBT, Cofield, Cofield & Company, Treasure Island, or Friday home. Next week we'll actually be here at Treasure Island and on Radio Row. Check that. Actually, I'll be in San Diego. So we'll be in San Diego and Vegas and probably have someone on Radio Row as well. So busy week coming up. Stanford Rout is a really busy guy. He's out here in Vegas. Played for the Raiders. Played for the Chiefs. Does a podcast. Believe in Raiders. Mm Mm-hmm. And he just threw on the podcast or radio show host lead role. That's right. He got us. <laughs> so we mentioned, hey, Derek Carr keeps saying he wants to go to a stable owner-coach situation. And when you start to look around the NFL, it's not as stable as you think with owners if you're getting picky. Yeah. How, how picky can uh, Derek Carr afford to be? And you asked us, who are the good owners? Who are the top five owners? I can't even name five. <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll give you two that we named, right? Chiefs, Eagles. I think the Steelers have a really good ownership yes. group because they don't mess with Mike Tomlin. They have mm-hmm. enough money where they can pay bonuses, all that stuff. And they're also solid. They're not controversial. There are so many owners who are a nightmare who either meddle. You know, Jerry Jones is a nightmare. Yes. You know, if he would just get out of the way, just take the money, build the team, but he always wants to be involved. Other teams I kind of considered, Packers, but they don't really have an they owner. They don't have an owner. And no. then I've heard the point made that then you get management, get a little too cocky because they have no one to answer to very good point. The Giants, for the most part, have been, but they were a nightmare for like the last eight years in terms of. I think being a little weak in terms of the spine. There's some stuff they did where I was like, "This, the Mara family's got to be stronger than this." Yep. The book's not out on David Tepper. I think he can be a really good owner because he's got tons of money. <laughs> yes. Is Art's, is is uh I was gonna say Art Smith. Is
0: Art Blank? Are the is that a good owner? I mean, and that's great. Right? And and that's where to me ownership and saying that ownership is good is still tethered to GM and head coach because we look at Atlanta for a number of years while they had Matt Ryan, Roddy White, Julio Jones, and so many offensive weapons, and they were constantly, what, in the playoffs. I mean, if they actually knew how to get out of their own way, they'd have a Super Bowl championship right now from a couple years ago down there in Houston and blowing that 28-3 lead. So that's why it, it, it always seems to me that, Yes, you can have good owners, but a lot of the good ownership per se is still tethered to having consistency within the GM, within a head coach, and then also that leads to having a franchise quarterback. Yeah. I'll 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 put in the Patriots too, right? And can we do the Patriots? And and okay, and all right. And listen, I love the Patriots. Like I want to see Bill Belichick and the Patriots get back to prominence I, because I I firmly believe that Bill Belichick deserves a lot more credit for the seven championships for New England than he's now getting because Tom Brady left and then won a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But let's use Robert Kraft. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong. We all saw the reports coming out that Robert Kraft ah, damn it. was butting heads with Bill Belichick. Right. Bill Belichick wanted Jimmy Garoppolo to be the predecessor the guy, yep. to uh, to Tom Brady. And then Robert Kraft stepped in and was like, hey, Bill, uh, Tommy doesn't like jimmy g being here trade him and but
2: then didn't they want to super bowl after that
0: exactly and so is that great ownership where the owner is now basically yeah. standing over the head coach like a helicopter and forcing him to trade the obvious heir apparent to what we all know to be the greatest quarterback of all time
1: i also forgot about all their warts well i mean there's my gate
0: gate I mean, if you're Hernandez, not cheating, you're know, Exa- uh, you know, not trying. Florida, Florida, <laughs> let's not forget about that. Right. So that's why <laughs> it's arbitrary, yeah. and it's just based on opinion and perspective when you really break down, oh, they got great ownership over there.
1: Yeah. Well, I in the end, it's up to the player, right? Whatever yes. whatever they can deal with, whatever huh. they're, they're comfortable with. We're up in 30, going to break. But I was just going to say real quick, quick,
0: and it
2: also just might be Derek Carr wants somebody who's going to kind of bend over backwards for him and tell right. him everything <laughs> he wants to hear. I mean, that's always Maybe. a good <laughs> thing. Right.
0: Who, who doesn't like to be told sweet and whispered sweet nothings in there? Who doesn't?
1: Coming up, I want to talk a little broadcasting and then talk uh, some goat. But on the broadcasting front, I don't get why everyone is now slamming. Lots of people are now slamming Tony Romo. What did I miss?
0: Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno.
1: Stanford Route is with us here inside the Treasure Island. Cofield, Von Tobel. Make sure you hook yourself up with a, a good, super scintillating big game Sunday. Uh, this is one of the spots. They've got an all you can drink special. So give them a call, get in. Oh, it's
2: family ice cream Sunday. No, no.
1: All you can drink on. Super Bowl Sunday, but you got to get in soon because reservations are filling up quickly at the Golden Circle. Okay, a couple of things. So let's let's talk a little broadcasting here and, and just opinions from football people and other folks who think they uh, know football. Uh, one, I've seen a lot of anti-Tony Romo stuff the last couple of weeks. People getting in on him, saying he's regressed. I mean, I, I watch the games. I like him. I've noticed he doesn't predict plays anymore, but I also think he was told not to do that. Mm -hmm. So where are you guys on Tony Romo? Because he's getting blasted to the point where Pro Football Talk reported uh, that CBS denies conducting an intervention aimed at improving the performance of Tony Romo, I guess, before the season. They said there was no intervention, but what's going on here?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You won it first, or or should should I? You're the guest. You go ahead. Oh, wow. Um, Now... Addressing what you were just talking about with predicting plays, I loved that. I loved it. And I remember the very first game he did, I think it was the Titans and the Raiders several years ago, and he was almost predicting plays then. And I think that, obviously, for fans, they think, oh, my God, he's like a wizard. It's like he can predict the future and this, and the other. No, Tony Romo is just a quarterback that played a lot of years in the NFL. But here's the thing. He's really
1: intelligent. So so many of the other quarterbacks – who did the games. I, I don't know if they couldn't do it. They didn't care to do it. They can't express the message. Like, Phil Simms never did any of that. Well, they're oh, also no, no really doubt about it. they old, though, right? Like yes. That was the
2: other thing. Romo had been out, like what, like a year. Exactly. So he knew exactly you what he so was it? like. And
0: so for me – You lose it or the game's more complicated now? I think the game's a little bit more complex now, yeah, okay. and I think, Romo's, oh, oh. I think Romo is still locked in. And and I loved that aspect of, of his broadcasting game because that was something nobody else was doing on TV. And so – that's, I don't like him going away from that. So I think he needs to go back to that. And what you just said about how you feel like he was being told not to do that, I think that is very bad on whoever told him not to do that because that was kind of his it factor. That was his magic. That's what made him – that's what made everybody flock to him. So whoever told him not to do that, they need to go back and try to reverse that mandate because other than that, that's what makes him more regular. That's what makes him more – Let's just go ahead and say mediocre compared to all the other contemporaries. So I think he needs to go back to it. And if you're talking about the slander, if you're talking about the pushback that he's getting from the possible mistake that he made in the Chiefs-Bengals AFC title game, then I understand it. But everything else, I still think Tony Romo is a very, very fine, top-notch broadcaster.
2: So my theory with Romo, I don't think he's regressed. I think what happened was you know you have that friend you have that buddy right we all have the friend who is a real joy to go out and party with like when you want to you want to throw a couple back and get a little wild yeah. he's great but he also never slows down right so like when you're in normal settings you're kind of like like bro relax okay we're out in public whatever tony romo's always like that like he's always up here like he's got a lot of energy he's mm-hmm. talking really loud he's talking really fast he's predicting plays really yes. quickly so you take away the play element, and he's just like really loud, really fast talk guy. And I don't think I think people all of a sudden now like the party's over, right? Now you're hungover in the morning, you're like, dude, can you can you slow down for five I see seconds? What you're saying. You know what I mean? I see what While you're saying. While we're trying to get these things together, because like, and I'll give you an example, right? Not the not the near you know issue that he had in the AFC Championship game, but when when it was I think it was Burrow who throws the interception, right? He Throws a deep ball on a third down, and he throws it. There's like five minutes left in the game. Actually, there's more. I think there's like seven minutes left, and his call was like. Game-changing, back-breaking, generation-changing interception. And we're like, Tony, it was third and three. There's seven minutes left. There was an arm punt. Like, it's not the worst thing in the world. But, like, he's way over the top. And I think people, that kind of drains it a so little you bit. So you think it's a, few a few little years. bit of fatigue going yeah, on right to now. to a certain extent.
1: We build up heroes to chop them down. Right? Of course we do. No and doubt about that. Brady's on the way so I can already see Brady's going to get annihilated by most people. It, like it's not that's not going to be a polarizing deal where it's 50-50. I think it's going to be like 70% hate and uh, do the rest of the math. Well, I think Brady's but, just you know, going to be boring, but that's I don't crazy. I think I think Brady's going to be awesome. I think Brady has a feel for for media and games and I know he tried that stupid thing on SiriusXM where he's cursing at Jim Gray. That was dumb. But I think he's going to be brilliant. I think he knows what he's doing. Um, I want to go to some old broadcasters here. And get into some goat talk. We've been hitting this all week long. So Stephen A. Smith has a couple of New York radio guys in. They're both in their 60s. Uh-huh. And, and a lot of times when we talk about I goat, saw that. when we talk about goats, people will glamorize their era. I'm in my 50s. I don't have an era, because I recognize that the players today are freaking awesome. The game is different. It's more complicated. Yes, more um, complex. And, yeah, I, I, like, I truly believe it. I mean, if you, if you took Patrick Mahomes, this Patrick Mahomes, into the 60s, he'd win 10 Super Bowls. I mean, the Super Bowl didn't start until the mid-60s. But here's Mike Francesa um, kind of pushing back on the Brady goat thing, and he wants to bring in, as he says, Joe Montana into the argument. He's not the best regular season quarterback I've ever seen, Peyton Manning was. What? He's not the best Super Bowl quarterback who ever lived Joe Montana is. Okay.
0: Montana. Joe Montana. It's, wow. a, it's a New York I, accent. I, I'm sorry, I, I can't even, I, I can't even respect your opinion when you call him Joe Montana. I'm Wait, sorry, it's, it's I'm a New York sorry. accent. It's an accent. It's sorry. a New York accent. Oh it's no, I, just, I, know I know it is. Just, the
1: ranges, and everyone's got anner or whatever. Um, how about just on the goat thing about best regular season quarterback? Because actually, I I put Brady fourth. I have Manning up above him.
0: I already have Mahomes number one. As far as regular season, quarters. regular season yeah. quarterback of all time, yeah. I, 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 like, is it too early it, for Mahomes? I think that if you were to if you were to discount Brady's regular season heroics, if you were to discount his regular season stats, I don't think you'd be wrong for doing that because Tom Brady, aside from what 2007 when he broke the NFL touchdown passing record, uh, I think they broke the 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 single season record for points scored. I think the Broncos then later broke it with paid man and all them. So you never saw Tom Brady have record-breaking seasons over and over and over again. And the thing about Tom Brady, and that's why I would probably say Joe Burrow is the closest thing to a Tom Brady right now in today's NFL, is because Tom Brady didn't have big, strong arm like Josh Allen or like Jeff George. Tom Brady definitely can't move like Lamar Jackson or Steve Young. But Tom Brady just simply goes out there, and he's just consistently great. He makes the throws. He throws the check down whenever he needs to. He does the smart play. And I think because of that, you're not mesmerized by everything that you saw in the regular season. All you just simply see is late January, early February. Here he is with the politician smile. Hoisting that trophy yep. aside from the one that he won against the Falcons, where he was showing true emotion. So, I, I definitely understand where a lot of people go with not calling him the best regular season quarterback. I definitely can understand that.
2: Oh, I mean, as a Colts fan, I would totally agree with Peyton Manning being the greatest regular season quarterback. I think. What about you? You ever. played,
0: you yeah. faced these guys. Yeah. You faced Manning? Uh, yes, p- uh, faced Manning. Now, if you're asking me who was my all-time i love best quarterback that i've gone against do it do it i would i would say this tom brady obviously the the best the greatest ever the goat all that you can't argue with seven super bowls but i'll tell you this and most dbs the most dbs will tell you this yep do it that guy up there in green bay okay when the ball goes by your ear hole in that back shoulder fade it whistles Yep. That arm talent is unmatched. Obviously, we see what Pat Mahomes is doing. Pat Mahomes is from Texas, so I ride with anybody from the Lone Star State. But Aaron Rodgers, his arm talent, the way that I saw him, when he's in the pocket, he does not get overly antsy. It's like he has eyes in the back of his head where he always can feel the pressure. Even when it's behind him, he still is confident, okay, I still got time to get this ball out. Let me go ahead. I'm going to let Donald Driver, Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, Randall uh, Randall Cobb, everybody else. I'm going to give them that one more split second to get open, and then he's going to hit you right on target. For me, he would be the most, uh, the most physically gifted quarterback that I've ever gone against. But as far as Tom Brady, you just cannot – you can't discount or ignore right. seven damn rings. You just can't. I had Rodgers three. So
1: I had Mahomes – Rogers three, Brady four, and then at two I said Peyton Manning. All right, th- this is where Francesa builds more of a case for uh Montana and this is where I got a little bit bothered. He won the most Super Bowls, so he will be remembered because nobody's gonna play twenty-three years, and nobody's
2: probably ever gonna have a chance to win that many Super Bowls. It's almost impossible to do. He was in the right place with the right coach.
1: So he's talking about Brady at the beginning, and then he mentions the right place, right coach, right time. I mean, we're not going to mention the the roster. Joe Montana is awesome.
0: Oh, you're talking about Joe Montana, the one that played for that guy, uh, Bill Walsh, who created the uh, West Coast offense. I grew up a 49ers fan. So my all-time favorite quarterback is Steve Young. That's, a, that's my all-time favorite because he's a part of my era. I love watching him play. Jerry Rice, greatest receiver ever to play the game. Randy Moss, most physically gifted to ever play the game. So, trust me, I'm right there with you. And when I saw Dan Orlovsky rate his top five quarterbacks, and Joe Montana wasn't on there, and he had Elway and Marino on there. So, no, trust me, I'm right there with you. I understand the 4-0. I get that. So, that's why I can see why certain people would put Joe Montana – over Tom Brady. I, I I think Joe Montana
1: is awesome, but the, the, the last part of it bothered me because if you're going to get on Brady for being with a great coach and with a great organization, come on. West Bill, Bill Coast Walsh, offense. And two different generations of unreal players in terms right. of player personnel. Like his supporting cast was West Coast awesome.
0: offense. Yep. He created it.
2: Yep. I mean, <laughs> I'm not a football historian. Their defenses were pretty good too, weren't they?
0: Yes. Ricky running waters, Roger Craig. That guy from Mississippi Valley State, I think he wore number eighty. I forget, like I forget his name. You probably, you guys probably know it, but like John Taylor, JJ Stokes, Terrell Owens, like come on. So I think that you can obviously have your favorites, but when you start to get to the point where you're being biased, that's when I think you're doing a disservice to your listeners.
2: No, that's that's the greatest radio personality of all time. We can't say anything bad about him.
1: <laughs> hey, he brought it. He got people talking about it. We, you know, we pulled the cuts, so. I the have the era discussions are are always interesting, but I, I think older guys sometimes get a little too fired up about their era, yeah, I get and, it. I and get then it. They, and then they try to come up with stuff to diss the current era. The especially in the NFL, and and I believe in the NBA, man, from era to era, it just gets better and better. Yeah, and it does. Better. And the because players now are amazing. The
0: athletes, they, they they're bigger, stronger, faster. It's just all. It's the theory of evolution. You know, man is now. Bigger, stronger, faster. You got nutritional uh, uh, upgrades. You got the weight training. You got all of that. So it's going to always take a tick up every generation. That's just how it goes. And I think that you either are going to adapt or you're going to get swallowed up. So you got to be able to understand that, accept that. Now, I'll say this. I just want to throw this out there. My all-time favorite broadcasting duo, Pat Summerall, John Madden. That's my all-time favorite.
2: I was just going to speak to – so Steve knows this. I'm, I'm mildly ageist, right? I'm very pro-youth. Um, well, because you guys get beat up. Right. In your age group, I'm you get beat the, up all I'm time. not even young anymore. I'm 32. <laughs> yeah, people are um, mean to you guys. But, like, the Jacksonville Jaguars today would, like, run the 1985 Bears out of, a, out of the building. Possibly. Right. The because other because thing of have, the complications of their offense, the different things. Like, all exactly. of those – everything you're talking about – like, the 1985 Bears never saw anything like a Jacksonville Jaguars no. offense today. Very few Good
1: people will address the differences now between the coaches and how intricate it is Yes. versus the coaches of the 60s and 70s. Tom Landry might have been able to do it. Chuck Knoll might have been able to do it. I don't know. But maybe they had limitations where they would talk to Sean McVay and they'd be like, who is this alien? <laughs> right?
2: right? <laughs> I don't know. No? What's a hot route? What is that? What is that?
0: I mean it goes back to the, the point. The RPO right. the RPO would kill the eighty five Bears. And even right now in today's oh, wow. game, the RPO in my opinion, it's a form of cheating because no matter what ever the defender does, he's wrong. No matter we what We are going to get out of this hour, we'll come back <laughs> in the five o'clock hour. <laughs>